Welcome to That the Hive Podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. On today's episode, we catch you up on little bits of Hornets news. We talk about the Hornets' recent extended stretch of play where they've gone 2-12 and in their last 14 games. We go over potential trade scenarios, who's buzzing, who's wasn't, and we look ahead to this week's somewhat empty slate of games as the Hornets get ready to head to Paris. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Athive Podcast. It's Jonathan and Zach. As always, Zach, how are you? I'm well, Jonathan. You know, last podcast you named the podcast The Hornets Don't Make Sense. And I, did. I think The Hornets Make Sense now, Jonathan. <laughs> I think it's starting to take a lot. I think they're, yeah, they're playing relatively near expectations and relative to like what their total body of work in the first half of the season how it didn't match the record. Now the record matches. Let me ask you this just as a general NBA season question for you. How's the NBA season going for you? Are you, do you feel like you're invested in the storylines and the drama? Are you watching games other than Hornets games? Yeah. I, I don't watch them as much as I had in the past. Cause I've been like really busy, which is part of the reason why this show has gone like four or six weeks or whatever that episode. Yikes. But I try to watch it as much as I can. Um, Cause basketball is fun. Basketball is fun. If you get nothing I do. from this podcast, get that basketball is fun. I do want to say as a general NBA thought, and I think we've touched on this before, I do appreciate that basketball is the storyline for the most part this year and not just going across the league and talking about all the pending free agents every single day as opposed to just talking about what they're actually doing on basketball courts. That's I like that a lot, that we're talking about the play on the court versus like – uh, fight in the locker room. Usually it just fights on yeah. the court that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, there's no like, oh, where's Kyrie going to go after the season? What's going to happen with Anthony Davis? What's going to happen with all this stuff? Now it's kind of like, yeah. Basketball, I did want to ask you, I did want to ask you about two kind of news items. One that's Hornets related and one that's just NBA related because we talked about yeah. the schedule changes and, yeah. you know, they're pushing it. They're tabling the schedule changes for now. Mm-hmm. I still like the idea of having the midseason tournament, but I can also understand not being able to get the votes to make it pass. You know? Do you know the WNBA is doing an in-season tournament next oh, season? Oh, I didn't know that. This season? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, this coming summer. That'll be interesting to see if it works out for them. Yeah, so hopefully that, because I like the idea too, hopefully the WNBA has success with it and the NBA can kind of borrow some of those ideas or people can see – Oh, this can work here, you know? Yeah. And then and the also, other we need to watch of... WNBA games. Everybody, watch WNBA games. They're good. They're really good, and the players are really good in the league as well, and it's fun to watch, and it's interesting to see the different style of play. Versus yeah, because it's more, it's more grounded, so to speak. So it's a lot – it's a totally different style of play. 
and what works and what doesn't work as opposed to the NBA. And what the was other, the other note, one? Yeah. yeah, the other quick note is the Hornets brought down the price of their lower bowl season tickets. Did you see this? I did not see that. No, I completely yeah. missed that. So next season, you can get lower bowl season tickets for $1,200 for the entire season. For one about, ticket or two? Like that One ticket, one ticket. For th- it's like $30 a game. That's a pretty um, good bargain. It, I mean, it's the they say it's the best price in the league for next year right now. And I wonder what what that means. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it means we're in a rebuilding process. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, they're trying to, to sell season tickets. The spin was, we want to make it so that our, our uh, fans come to the games and they don't have to, they don't get priced out. And, you know, not pricing people out of an NBA game. I think the real, the real takeaway from it is just that people are watching more on TV. You know, people. Are, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting to, harder. Yeah, it's harder to get people to come out to the arena, and so you got to drop your prices. Demand has gone down, so prices got to go down. Yeah. That's what I learned in macroeconomics in college. Look at you, look <laughs> at you, Mister Economics. There's one more piece of news before we get on to the the main crux of the show. Uh, a Hornets they waived Robert Franks from his two way deal and signed Ray Spalding. We Huge need will Robert Franks. <laughs> Remember, we talked about Robert Franks for probably three minutes in our in the like beginning season pod. Yeah, and then I there are I've seen some people upset with the dismissal of or the you know the loss of Franks. Um, he is a good shooter. He hasn't shot that well for the Swarm. He's shooting like thirty three percent from deep. But uh, guys that can only do like only can spot up and shoot, they're not that hard to find unless they're Duncan Robinson esque shooting like fifty five percent from three. Right, and shooting 33% with the Swarm is very different from actually being a contributor on an NBA team. Yeah, and, and I haven't followed him since he's been like, oh, but there's a decent chance he just signs on with the Swarm to be a G League player as opposed to a two-way player. But sure. Ray Spalding is an interesting player. He's he's listed as a power forward, but he play, I think he's more of a center. But he stuffs the stat sheet. He's good he scores decently well. He rebounds well. He passes well for center, gets steals, gets blocks. He gets everything, just can't shoot. So I think he's a better developmental piece than Frank's probably anyway. So well, you know, keep Jonathan, an eye on him. One thing that we really needed, I mean, just sorely needed, was another power forward. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I think he's – he's. I, mean, I know, we do need power forwards. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's just more of a smaller center, like a Montrez Harrell type of – you know he's a he's a small center, but he has a diverse skill set that you just can't shoot. I, lo- I love your that- comparisons. <laughs> the I love your you comparisons to- because you're just you're just out there. You're really bold with your comparisons. He's like Montrez well, my- Harold, who is a very key player for a championship aspirational well, team. <laughs> when I make comparisons, I I try to use names that people recognize, and it's sure. like obviously toned down. He's not nearly as good. But that's the like stylistically similar, because okay. if I said if I compared him to another G League player, everybody would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's that's how it goes. You know how it is. You talk to your friends when you play pickup basketball, like, oh, who do you play with? And nobody's like names off some G League player. They're like, oh, I play like uh, Kyle Korver. I just shoot threes, even though they're not nearly as good of a shooter as Kyle Korver is, and they're not <laughs> six foot six. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get it. I, I mean. 
Don't get me wrong. When I compare myself to Kemba Walker, I mean specifically <laughs> that my game is exactly like Kemba Walker. But other people do that. I hear you. Yes, I, I know. I, I I know that when you when you're on the court, like if you dropped yourself in place of Kemba Walker on the Celtics right now, they wouldn't they wouldn't miss a beat. They would really not even notice, to be honest. No. <laughs> so the Hornets. I bring the passion, Jonathan. I bring the passion. Oh, I know you bring the passion. So the Hornets. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jonathan. Get negative about it. Talk the about Hornets, the Hornets record. Uh, they're losing a lot of games. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they are. They've won two. They've won two of their last twelve. I think it is. That's and one want. of those wins was very. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, no, they've won two of their last 14. Excuse me. They're 2-12 and 12 in their last 14. Now, one of the wins was probably the best win of the season. The win in Dallas over the Mavericks. So that was good, I guess. But everything else has been pretty bad. Yes. And, and <laughs> that doesn't mean... And I see I see the minutes. So, so I'm watching these games. It doesn't mean that the basketball is bad. It doesn't mean that they're not. No. We've said it a million times that it's hard to watch these games. But they are losing games, and they're not a competitive basketball team. I, yeah, so. You know, I and guess that's all of... I can say without being negative <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, and it's, well, they've kind of done what we talked about. And that we, and I wrote the, I made the scatter plots about how amount of close games especially relative to how good they are as they're in their total body of work and how that's probably not sustainable like it's probably not sustainable to win 53 percent of your games by three points or less like 53 percent of their wins when i wrote that were by three points or less like that's not you can't win basketball games like that consistently just because you know a, a miss at the wrong time or a make a crazy make by the team switches the total result and that's kind of happened over these last couple of weeks, they lost to the Cavs by two. They lost to the Thunder by two. They lost to the Raptors by two. They lost to the Blazers by three. Like they've these one possession games that they were somehow winning all of them. They're starting to come out on the wrong end of it, which jibes with what they should what we should have expected all along, and that's why the losses are coming in fast and furious. Yeah, and if if you know the style of basketball play, this happens when when a when a better skilled team plays a, a team that is outmatched, they'll get up by 20 points in the early fourth quarter or up by 20 mm-hmm. points in the late third quarter. And then they'll kind of lose interest and the pace of the game will slow down and the the uh, team that is outmatched will get back up and they'll get into that eight-point you know range because these are professional basketball players and they're still competitive. So looking at the end result, looking at the, the, win, the, the points – it doesn't tell you the whole story of the game. So, like, I watched the the Blazers game. We lost by three points. But really, it wasn't a very competitive game. We were outmatched at that game. The Toronto game that went in overtime, it just, you know, Toronto wasn't really up for that game. They were probably concentrating on their next more competitive game. And this is what is we're sneak up on people. The, the Dallas game is a perfect case of... Them just being like, "Hey, the Hornets, are, uh, we're playing the Hornets tonight." You know, they'll probably they're probably thinking about like a Lakers game that they're playing in prime time next. You know, um, they're thinking yeah. about the next team. That's uh, you have to watch the game to really have an opinion on it versus looking at the the point scored. Though I do want to say though, just to talk, that Dallas game was wildly entertaining. Yeah, 
<laughs> so we go, the Hornets were down by 20 or up by 20 in the first half. Then we're down by like 10 or 12 in the fourth quarter, which is a crazy swing in this short of a time. And then they end up taking, and then coming back in like the last two minutes of the game and then sending it to overtime. Like that was, especially against a team with Luka, they're the best offensive team in the NBA in a long time. So that was enough positivity for me to make up for all the losses and the losses like we've talked about before, they come up with the silver lining where the Hornets are now, I think tied with the wizards for the fifth draft slot. Yeah. And, and which, you know, they're on the downslide, which is what, <laughs> which is yeah. what they should be doing. It's, it's good that, you know, it's good that we're in competition for that top, uh, top five pick real quick before we get off the Dallas game. Uh, a, I want to say that the, the Rozier um, Graham combo it's fun to watch. They really play very well fun to together. Watch. They really play well together. And Graham has been, you know, I'm the 500,000th person to say this, but Graham has been <laughs> a revelation this season. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk, I hopefully we'll talk about a little bit later in our trade segment. But Don, uh, Luca is, people <laughs> since LeBron has came into the league have always been like, oh, this is the next LeBron. This is the next LeBron. Yeah. And if you just saw the two men beside each other, you know, LeBron is more athletic. He's got a bigger build and stuff like that. But the way that they play the game, the way that they see the court, Luca reminds me so much of LeBron James. Yeah. And again, I'm not the first person to say it. LeBron James, if you traded off some athleticism for like a little bit of outside shooting or shooting off the dribble, um, his percentage is bad, but his he shoots a bunch of like step backs and stuff. So if you took like, yeah. Substitute some three-point shooting for athleticism. You basically have Luca and LeBron. Yeah, he's he's incredible very to watch. Fun to watch him play. Yeah, I, I watch him as someone who's not the swiftest of foot, and I'm just like, how does this guy score 30 points a game when everybody else on the court is faster and more athletic than him? And it's just like he also I, does. He also does the Chris Paul thing where he'll put your his hip in you so yeah. that he can create space for himself. I love that move. I can't <laughs> do that move, but I do love that move. Yeah, he's he's very good. But what we were talking about with the Hornets in the draft slot, and this kind of segues into the. You want to talk about the trades now? Yeah, sure. We can. Do so that. this kind of segues into the trades, but the Hornets, you know, are are on the right path with uh, getting a high lottery pick, and. A Really bad. Um, I don't see anybody right now that really stands out to me as a prospect I want the Hornets to take, but we'll touch on that more as the season winds down. Um, in that same, in that same kind of scope, talking about the Hornets' misfortune and the timing of their rebuild, trade season coming is coming up, and the Hornets have all of these perfectly sized expiring contracts between twelve and fifteen million dollars a year, twelve and seventeen million dollars a year, and there are no free agents this summer for people to clear cap space for <laughs> no <laughs> so there's None. not a lot of reason for them to get a biombo so yeah that clears off or williams to clear off yeah that's so now we're kind of relegated to looking for trades that actually we can like you know improve a contending team and try to get some asset back for it and that's as opposed to just being like, hey, let's give us a first round pick or give us a couple seconds so we can take your long contract for this expiring because nobody really cares about expiring contracts this season. Right. Now, with that being said, what I tried to do, I A, I tried to not look at who, what potential Charlotte Hornets trades there could be because I didn't want to give you content that you could have just Googled. What yeah. I tried to do was really create something 
Um, that was that was mine. But A, I thought could work, <laughs> and B, I think they should do. So, All right, let's. Do you want to? Let's let's hear your yours, and I have an idea. Okay. As well. All right, cool. So I'll, I'll start off with my what I think is legitimate. <laughs> what you're looking for in a trade partner is someone who may have some delusions of grandeur about <laughs> of, about yes. how they're going to pro- perform this season. And yes. I think the team that fits that slot perfectly is the Sacramento Kings. Oh yeah, okay. They need they're they're desperate to win games. Exactly. They have some sunk costs in their team. They're five games out of the playoff race right now. Mm-hmm. And we have someone who is lighting the world on fire but is playing is, is playing at a level that is not what they normally play at and i know people love him but look since we we let kemba walker go we know that we can just let people who we love go so i'm talking <laughs> about Devonte graham oh boy so yeah so what i thought we could do with the sacramento kings is basically give up Devonte graham okay um, you know we would match his salary with a with a gabriel and we'd get a first round pick from the Sacramento Kings. Here's the thing about the Kings. Five games out of the playoff race, but I still be- I think they believe they can make the playoffs and they're going to try to be competitive, but I don't think they're actually going to be competitive. <laughs> so you, maybe go ahead. Do you think they'll give up a first round pick for a point guard when they have DeAaron Fox? The way that, that the way that that <laughs> Uh, management team works 100% because you could use Graham if you wanted to as a backup shooting guard uh, to Buddy. And like, kind we, of, like what they do, we do here with uh, Rozier and Graham. Exactly. Or or bring him off the bench as your sixth man. Um, and we're talking, if they think they're going to make the playoffs, they think they're giving up like a 17, 18, 19 19th pick in the first round so they believe they're not giving up much value to get somebody who's been on fire this season it's you know i'm imagining this this trade happening and i didn't copy off of anybody but i do think that the sacramento <laughs> kings are just crazy enough to make it happen i would say as a general thought to that uh-huh. that last thing you said i do love the incompetence of some teams and that you can basically come up with any trade you want and be like, I mean, they are, they don't make good decisions. So you never know. (laughs) Right. And Jonathan, when other podcasts are dreaming up their trade scenarios, you know, Mm -hmm. the kind of team they're looking for the Hornets. Yeah. (laughs) The Charlotte Hornets. That's kind of the one I'm going to read off of the internet is kind of along those lines. Cause we are the, because the Hornets may have a reputation for making bad decisions and we're a small market team. So people, see the org- the team as like a shelf to hold players for bigger markets to trade for when they feel like buying a new player. What what you got? Um so for me I have to do a little more research so I don't know exactly how good the, these players have been, but Marvin Williams to the Clippers for Mo Harkless and Patrick Patterson. Thoughts. Not terrible. <laughs> that would bring defense to the t- if we're looking at making this Charlotte Hornets team better this mm-hmm. season. That uh, off the top of my head, I don't know their what their salaries are, but I assume they're. I, I did the trade machine and it works. They're and they're both they're both expiring. Everybody in this deal is expiring. Oh, so the Clippers that those are the players. The Clippers would send some sort of draft picks left back. I don't think the difference is enough to ask them for their first round pick, but since they think. They're going for the championship. They might not really care. 
Yeah, I, I doubt, yeah, I doubt that they would do that with the first round pick, especially I don't do the Clippers have their first round pick. Yeah, so twenty twenty one is the last first round pick that they can trade before the draft until like twenty twenty eight. Oh wow, because <laughs> they gave up all those because you can't trade future picks, future first round picks in consecutive years. Um, so the only way they can trade first round picks after this year is to do it do the draft night trade thing where like they draft a player and then trade them. Um. If I were the Clippers, I wouldn't do that. No, but the Clippers have Detroit's first rounders in 2021 and 2023, I think. So you can maybe get like a 2020 for it. Something little, something minor. And uh, Marvin Williams deserves to play for some for uh, a competitor. But I think what you Marvin do is... Marvin Williams you... has been paid handsomely for his time <laughs> in Charlotte Hornets, and he's had people like you to defend him, so he's all right. He can play for whoever. But everybody paid. wants to win, though. Um, <laughs> but it, it kind of gives him extra size. Like He's kind of a similar player to Harkless, but Harkless is a smaller, like a true three, like a wing, and Marvin Williams gives him a little more a little more bulk, and he, like which Patrick Patterson gives him, but he's bad. So... You kind of meld the two of them into one. So I think the Clippers will like it. It's just about trying to find some draft compensation. Maybe we can get like a young player from them or something that's a little more appealing than Patrick Patterson, but I just threw that together real quick. Yeah, and I think that it would make this season's team better if we did that trade, mm-hmm. but I don't want us to get any better. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get, maybe get like Terrence Mann or something instead of Patrick Patterson. I don't know. All right, so let me your other one. Yeah, yeah. Let me shoot the moon real quick, Jonathan. This is pie in the sky. This is a player who his current team doesn't know if he fits with the team. He certainly doesn't fit with their style of play. Um, Their GM doesn't really pick guys like this. He likes to to get stars, but he he hasn't really. It's worked, but you've heard some grumblings. Mm -hmm. Who I'm talking about is a. Already a Jordan uh, sneaker guy. I'm talking about the one and only Russell Westbrook. I've been oh. trying to get <laughs> Russell Westbrook on the Hornets for years. Okay. Doesn't really have an outside shot, so doesn't work with the Hornets, or I'm sorry, with the Rockets kind of outside shooting in and out style play. And, you know, there have been rumblings that they would they would let him go for the right price. So this is my this is my right trading scheme, right? <laughs> Dev- again, Devonte Graham. Th- you just that want to get is rid of Devonte Graham. He he's having a great season, but he I don't think it's sustainable. I think he's going to regress back to his mean. Um, I like him a lot, and he's a huge dude looking for trade ship, chips, right? Yeah. So, and we're taking away that those four years that uh, Westbrook has on his contract from the Rockets, and in return, they're going to take MKG and Batum. Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> Batum has outside shooting. Apparent, maybe you know. If he shoots in, it, in, yes. Yeah, in some realm of reality, uh, uh, Batum can shoot a three-pointer, so that helps them. He's capable and, of shooting a three. It's him actually letting the ball go is the problem. Exactly, and we're taking away a hundred million dollars in salary uh, <laughs> from the Rockets. So Devonte Graham, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and Nicholas Batum. To bring Russell Westbrook over to play, I guess, <laughs> point guard to Rogier's shooting guard. Who says no, Jonathan? Who says no? Both. 
<laughs> I think Russell first of all Russell Westbrook I don't know what this team would look like with Russell Westbrook running the show like we'd be better obviously but it's kind of a hodgepodge of it's Russell Westbrook's a really tough player to get to fit within a team concept he's a he's a great player but it's really hard to have point guards that can't shoot especially it when is, I want to but, dominate but the ball if I'm playing devil's advocate we have a lot of you know, not a lot of, we have a lot of tall guys who can take outside shots. So yeah. if he's, you know, driving and kicking, that kind of thing. And also this team doesn't have, there's no alpha on this team. And no. he could, he could just run the court on the, on the um, East conference, uh, Eastern conference where there, you know, I could see a Russell Westbrook led Hornets team getting a six seat. Yeah, he basically function as like the Rockets do, where you just give the Russell Westbrook the ball and everybody else, you just be ready to catch and shoot. It'd clear out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree that we'd be a six seed. It would just kind of like cap us out, like we were with like a slightly better version of the uh, Kimball Walker teams. But I'm, uh, I'm, just try- I'm trying to find solutions over here. <laughs> I do, I do think that trade for Houston when they did acquire him and Chris Paul, both of those like. Both of those pairings with James Harden make no sense, and they never made sense. And I don't know why they thought they were going to work. Because Maury likes to throw bombs. He likes he just, to, he likes just to add superstars and then hope it works. Well, yeah, and he he knows about risk tolerance, and he's trying to make these large bets. And mm. he thought that he was competing against a healthy um, Warriors team when he made that trade. Yeah, and I bet if he knew that both Steph. And Clay and Draymond for the majority of the season would be out. He, I don't think he would have made that trade. Yeah, he. But yeah, I would have think he would have targeted somebody more. You know, that by now you, it. yeah, you think at this point they're like, all right, the best way this team works because it was the same thing last year when they had Chris Paul when Harden and Paul were together. It's like this doesn't work at all. It's like just put Harden out there with a bunch of guys that can defend and shoot, and that's it. Like that's all you need. You don't need to get like you know a big three or a big two or whatever because everybody else does. Harden's good enough by himself. To, to make it work with shooters. Yeah, and just um, give me give me an angry Russell Westbrook playing in Charlotte on a <laughs> Wednesday, you know? I would just I would just love to watch that. Nothing nothing screams Charlotte basketball like Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh, uh, the last trade is a John Hollinger trade from the Athletic. He used to work for the he was with the Grizzlies for a while and ESPN and stuff. Um all right. This is complicated. You ready? All right, let's do it. So Apparently, this is to for the Lakers. Right, here's the here's the trade. Here's the trade. The Lakers send the Hornets to Marcus Cousins, Quinn Cook, and Troy Daniels for Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Billy Hernan Gomez. Now, now, give it to me one more time, sir, and the audience. That's, uh, I didn't <laughs> miss it. I got every single piece of it just for the audience to make sure they got it. Too. So the Hornets get Demarcus Cousins, Quinn Cook, and Troy Daniels, former Hornet great. And Charlotte sends out Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Billy Hernan Gomez. Why would the Hornet or why would the Warriors do this trade? The Lakers. I'm sorry. Why would the Lakers do this trade? The the Lakers would do this trade because apparently, and I have not verified this myself, but I trust John Hollinger because he works for the Athletic, like all the good writers do. <laughs> the the this trade would create a nine and a half million dollar trade exception for the da, 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 da. the Lakers. Yeah, I think so. No, it'd be for the Hornets. I don't know. 
it would be <laughs> it would be basically to give the Lakers pieces that they could trade to get Andre Iguodala. Like contract values that would add up to Andre Iguodala's contract. That's a lot so of squirming horn. for Iguodala, but if it <laughs> yeah, gets so Troy Daniels back to his home, baby, back to it, back to the cradle, let's do it. You know what so, I mean? Yeah. So I the I guess the incentive for the, the the incentive for the Lakers is to take back a salary like MKG that can be swapped for Andre Iguodala if you know if you throw in other assets, and the incentive for the Hornets is you get Demarcus Cousins. To, no, well his, he's on a one year deal, so his contract will expire, Gosh, and he yeah. won't. To help the Lakers, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about small market teams exist just to to help to feed the teams the that yeah. yeah. So so I don't I don't really understand the whole thought process behind that. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna veto that one as fans that have decision making power. Yes, except bring <laughs> Troy Daniels back. <laughs> bring Troy Daniels home. Eric Collins loves some some Troy Daniels. Uh. The last, the last thing before we we take a break, um, I love this is just a general thought when fans go back and forth like negotiating trades with one another, just like in on Twitter or in comments and stuff. It's so funny to me. That's what the created comment sections for, right? Yeah, it's just so funny. It's like, hey, we'll give you guys Andre Drummond for this and this. Like, no, 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 you're gonna have to give us at least this. They're like, ah, uh, but uh, we're not gonna sep- we're not gonna part with Luke Kennard. It's like none of this matters. None of you get to decide this. Why are you? It negotiating? would be great if we crowdsourced <laughs> the trades, though. That would be amazing. Every team, like the decisions are put to a vote, like a proposal, like bills. Oh like my a god! Let's proposes do this. a trade, I don't and know they... why we don't do this? <laughs> it's like, all right, here's on the the agenda today. We have these proposals from these fans, and everybody votes yay or nay. And if they get voted yay, they get passed along to the other team where they get voted on, <laughs> or the fans. Amazing. So every decision is just crowdsourced. At, at, Let's do there's it. no, there's no way that could go wrong. <laughs> you want to, you want to increase viewership or engagement in the NBA? Just have fans make every decision. That's that's it. <laughs> it's worked well for our democracy. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're taking a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's time for who's buzzing and who's wasn't. Who's who's wasn't buzzins. Uh, who's buzzing, Zach? So I don't have a player for my buzzin. I did want to say that my buzzin candidate are these gray edition uniforms that they're oh, wearing. Oh, you like them now? Let me tell you, I've I've totally flip flopped on my position <laughs> here. Not seeing them on the court, not seeing them play with with them on. They're awesome. I, I think they look really good uh, when they play. The white really pops out on the numbers, mm-hmm. and the purple and gray really go well together. I was wrong. I can I can admit <laughs> it. I'm a big enough man to do that, Jonathan. And I I like them a lot. I will say when I when they first released them, I liked them. I wasn't like, oh, these are sick, but I was like, oh, these are cool. These are fine, but they do look a lot better on TV. Like, yeah, against when that. You just, um, Against the color of the court, yeah, yeah, is when as opposed to just looking at it in a on a picture with lighting is up. It was I really enjoyed on the uniform topic the aesthetics of the uh, Charlotte Denver game on Mon was it Wednesday with the city with jerseys. The, yeah, and it was Denver has the rainbow. On yeah, they the black yeah. with the rainbow. That was really good. 
Like, like that a lot. Now, <laughs> now, <on fire. laughs> now Denver just needs to have their court have like one speck of paint on it, and then their branding would be great. I hate when NBA teams do that, by the way. I talked about that in like a little lead up to a game thread. Just going off on a tangent, I hate NBA courts like the Jazz and the Nuggets. I guess it's something about the Midway or about the Mountain Time where they just don't have any paint on the in the key or anything. It's like, come on, guys, you look like a YMCA gym. Yeah, that's weird. What do you think about the black and white one? Is it the Nets who have the black and white? The Nets court? have the gray, like the grayish color. Yeah, I kind of like. It. It's weird, but I kind of like the you know, different. Yeah, make, I like make your home too. your home. Like make it stand out, like our honeycombs that we have. Yes, nothing looks. I mean, I guess Boston will tell you that their court looks great, or blah blah blah. But nothing looks better than the honeycomb on the court. Zach Lowe thinks the Celtics have the best uniforms in the NBA. You know, the plain green with the block letters that are the cheapest ones to order when you go to like a customize your T-shirt website. Yeah, super cool, Zach. My buzzing. Everything is is... great in Boston. I get it. Everything is great when it's old because we don't know how to adjust for nostalgia. My buzzing (laughs) candidate is Miles Bridges because I've been roasting him. Not roasting him, but calling him out for having a terrible on-off rating and block like uh, blocks plus minus and real plus minus and all that stuff. It's still terrible, but it's trending up. And trending up is what we want to see at this point in the season. When everything else is going down, Miles Bridges is trending up. Except for the last two games, he's been awful. But in <laughs> gen- since in the show, he's been much better. Yeah, and your criticism is still well taken. He still can't shoot from outside for the most part but when he decides to get himself in the air and and dunk (laughs) that ball it's so fun to watch he's it's like when he's feeling it like he was against toronto when he hit the six threes i think they're all in the first half too it's like when he makes his shots they don't even come close to touching the rim but if he misses it's like backboard before it hits the rim or he airballs it or something i don't i've never seen such a variance between his makes and his misses like you don't yeah. see a Miles Bridges shot rattle out. It's just like it clangs off the bottom of the rim somehow. Yeah, and still, if someone offered a, a trade package that included Miles Bridges, if it worked, I would take it. But I would hesitate for a second because I like the potential of Miles Bridges. In the future. Yeah, you see, like a little bit. It's like, oh, he's, he can he can shoot when he's feeling when he's confident, and he's got a little some savvy around the basket when he's playing confidently. It was like a little bit of everything. He just got and he's do it been all the a time. part of the team being electric enough to watch even though they're losing games. Yeah. Which brings me to my wasn't candidate, Jonathan. (laughs) I was told by upper management before the (laughs) beginning of this podcast, upper management being you not to be negative about the Hornets. They've lost. (laughs) I didn't say you don't be negative. I said, don't, don't be a told you so. They have lost 12 of the last 14 games, Jonathan. They're not. The Charlotte Hornets are not good. They're my wasn't candidate is the entire team. They're not a good team, guys. I get 20 seconds on this podcast to say that they're not a good team. The the prospects, although I like to see the potential of these players, the prospects aren't great. We don't have a star on this team, and it doesn't look like we're going to be able to trade for one. Or really, there's not really a candidate in the draft unless we get like a number one, number two kind of pick. So right now, my candidate for wasn't for the entire Charlotte Hornets team. Well, so that means my was who who wasn't for me. He's double wasn't because he's on the Hornets. Um, <laughs> is Biz Bizmac Bizmac Biombo? Um, we talked, and I don't know how much we talked about on the show, but I've talked about it on 
on the on at the hive and we've kind of discussed it in general as the season's gone on is like what is going on with Bismont Biombo? He can actually catch the ball and he's finishing shots around the basket and he's making good plays and stuff. Is like this is this is nice. In the last week or so though, it seems like we're getting like 2014 Biombo where he's fumbling passes and when he does catch it, he has to hunch over at his waist so that everybody around him can get a shot at stripping the ball before he goes up for a shot. And when he does go up, he kind of falls over and gets blocked. It's just it's it's looking like clunky, ugly Biombo basketball the last couple of weeks. Just biz being biz, man. It's biz being biz, because why not? Whenever whenever a player gets hurt, you just you have to work your way back to the starting lineup. Apparently, because Cody got hurt, Biz took his job, and then Biz got hurt, Cody retook his job back. <laughs> so you better not get hurt, Cody, or Biz is coming for your job. Or Billy might just slide in there since he's actually playing now. Yeah, it's been interesting to see uh, Hernan Gomez get some minutes and do relatively nothing with them. He's uh, so frustrated. Well, he makes his shots and then lets the other team make all their shots as well. Everybody right. just makes shots when Billy's on the court. It's a good time. Good time for everybody. <laughs> with all that being said, it's it's been fun to watch the Hornets lose. I, I They're in these games a lot of times. R- Rozier, for all the um, um, stuff that I've given, given him, Throughout the season, he hasn't lost faith. He seems like he's trying to lead the team. He seems like he's part of the team. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a hard team to watch, even when they're when they're in the midst of a losing season. Like I told you over the break, that people listening to this didn't hear is like we've for a team that's lost twelve or fourteen games, they've been extremely watchable. Like it yeah. seems like every game, you're like, oh, that's that's all right, guys. You played hard. You played well. Just just didn't come out on the right side. You'll get them next time, and then they never get them next time. But you have that feeling. You come away with that feeling like, oh, we, they could have had that. They just got to get a little bit more experience, get a little bit better, and they'll be fine. Hey, Jonathan. What's up? Let's do this again. Let's do it. Let's do it soon. What let's think? do it soon. Um, we're also – we're just in time since the Hornets play exactly two games – or they play three games in the next ten days. So that's cool. Thanks for the content, guys. Um, <laughs> I don't have uh, a website to run or anything. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm, I appreciate, appreciate the – uh, it's like, ah, I got to dig up the NBA stats or whatever and find something I can write about. Um, real quick before we go, uh, Magic on Monday, the Bucks in Paris on Friday. I hope you don't have to work. Thoughts on those games? So, uh, two losses, Jonathan. I'm saying <laughs> it, two losses. We can... notoriously lose against the Magic all the time, and the Bucks are just in a different stratosphere. But maybe I, I, it being in Paris is going to change something. Nick Batum homecoming game or something. I don't know. Yeah, Nick Batum homecoming game. How about how about that? There you go. There, that's a storyline for you. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised. I've yeah, I'll predict that they'll go into. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hornets beat the Magic because the Magic are kind of just eh, and eh are the kind of teams that the Hornets beat out of nowhere. And I know they haven't done that in the last couple of weeks, but you never, but you know, maybe they're due for one. So they might be able to steal one from the magic. The bucks are just way too good. There's yeah, like, I mean, the bucks Clifford are their worst. To, like aim his, his sights on the Hornets every time he plays yeah. them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got a little, little grudge, I guess. So, but the Hornets, their magic aren't good enough to like, there's more overlap between the, the magic, you know, the worst of the magic and the best of the Hornets where the Hornets could catch them on the right time. I think if the Bucks play their absolute worst basketball and the Hornets play their absolute best basketball, like of the 
and the Hornets have like a 50-50 chance of winning. And the odds of that happening are minuscule. So yeah, I that's yeah, all. I think that if the Bucks play their worst basketball and the Hornets play their best basketball, the Hornets lose by seven points. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, if everybody plays, especially yeah, there's yay optimism. But national TV, I guess that's just cool. There you uh, go. National TV right. at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> but we will see so you, you have... when we come back from uh back from Paris. We always had yeah. we always had uh, Paris. Is that the, is that the line yeah. we always had? Yeah, something like that. See ya. Peace out. <laughs>